Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded NFL Sunday ticket this season. If you live in an area where DirecTV service is not available, you can now get NFL Sunday ticket without a satellite. To see if you're eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R, at checkout to save 15%. Exclusive student discounts also available. Again, that is promo code RINGER, R-I-N-G-E-R. And we are also brought to you by Yahoo Fantasy Football. This NFL season, be your own GM. Be a winning GM. Turn this season into a fistful of epic wins by joining a Yahoo Fantasy Football League. Yahoo has spent the offseason making serious upgrades to enhance your experience, so when you play fantasy football on Yahoo, the wins are as epic as the season is long. Yahoo Fantasy is also the only app where you can manage all of your season-long and daily fantasy teams all in one place. Create or join a league now at yahoo.com slash gmstreet fantasy football. Do it. And now, GM Street. Welcome to GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. It is Friday, it is August 17th, and we are happy to have you back listening with us. We have, uh, we've been knocking this out uh, this season so far. We've been doing the Hard Knock Recaps on Wednesdays. Uh, we appreciate the reception that has come with those. We are, we are very flattered by all the people that are getting back into football and are willing to listen to this show and, and tune into GM Street every week. Lombardi, you're on the line right now, uh, and I, I know we're both on the same page as far as the reception to everything that's been going on with this podcast coming back. Oh, it's been great. You know, I love the comments on Twitter and the, and the feel. It's been really good. And certainly we have to thank Hugh Jackson for giving us so much material to work with each week. And I can't wait to see the game tonight, the Buffalo Bills and the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, what, what lies ahead of us for next week? Absolutely. we got a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, as always, and uh, we'll continue to do that. And we, we said last uh, on the last show on Wednesday that we're going to be doing Mondays and Wednesdays. So this upcoming Monday, we will be back. We will cover all the games that we saw this weekend in the preseason. Uh, and, and speaking of the preseason, Lombardi, let's talk about probably the biggest storyline that has come out. Um, last night, we saw Nick Foles, the, uh, the Super Bowl uh, winning quarterback and the the Super Bowl MVP go down with an injury. Adrian Claiborne uh, hit him from the from the side, hit him from behind, got his shoulder. Ball came loose. Uh, the Patriots take it back for a touchdown. Nick Foles goes down. Um, he seems to be optimistic, but it was a shoulder injury. And I just want to talk about the the larger conversation that comes with you know Nick Foles. If he were to go down with an injury, what does that look like for this Eagles team? Because we're still waiting to see if Wentz is still the guy that we believe him to be uh, coming back from that ACL injury. You know, I think there's a couple things last night. You know, watching the Patriots defensively, they put uh, they put their fifth-round pick, Bentley, in the game at middle linebacker. And I've always believed that when your Mike linebacker is slow, your defense is slow. And we see it all the time. Teams that tend to get older in age when their Mike linebacker stays on the field, their defense looks slow. And in week one, Tate, the, the Patriots defense against the Redskins backup looked god-awful. They looked horrible. And the Redskins backups moved the ball down the field, scored 17 points in the first half. This is a different Patriot team last night. They were playing off blocks. They were more aggressive. And Bentley being inside the linebacker made their defense faster. And they really, they attacked the pocket. I think there's been so much commentary about Brian Flores being a different kind of coach than Matt Patricia. And I think that's true. Matt Patricia used to like to blitz during practice, but in the game, he wanted to keep the ball in front of him. He didn't want to give up the big plays. I think Brian Flores took a step and said, you know what, we're going to have to try to create some pressure. We're going to have to create some rush with this. We're not a great pass rush team. And they did last night. For Foles and Wentz, 
to me, this is not a hard decision. You have to look long-term, not short-term. This isn't about opening day against the Atlanta Falcons. This is about Carson Wentz's longevity, and it's about what we can do moving forward to assure that he plays 10 years in the league, not one more game. And they're trying to shore up that side of the line, and you talk about uh, attacking the pocket. I mean, we saw that from the Patriots and Claiborne on that play. That was those guys going after and getting after the quarterback, and it obviously leads to a big play instead of giving up a big play, uh, which is what Patricia was always trying to guard against. Um, Speaking of the the Patriots in general and how well they looked in Week 2 versus Week 1, we have to talk about the 41-year-old quarterback that everyone wants to talk about, and that's Tom Brady. Um, It it seems like the man will never stop playing football at a high clip. Uh, He goes 19 for 26 last night, 172 yards, two touchdowns, obviously no interceptions. Um, just looking at Brady and, and what you see in the preseason, we know about the endowment effect. We know about uh, you know the preseason and how meaning, meaningless it can be at times. But when you see Tom Brady at 41 look like this, that has to inspire you if you are a Patriots fan, correct? You know, and I think he had to play. I mean, I think he's going to play a lot coming into week three because he won't play in week four. You know, it cracks me up is the fans are always about get get the great players off the practice field, get them out of the game. I mean, the Rams tonight aren't, aren't supposedly going to play much of their starters. And then you wonder why preseason, why the regular season football in September looks so bad because guys haven't played. I think Brady needed to play. I think he needed to play at least as much as he did. Got comfortable, threw the ball really well, moved in the pocket, made plays with his feet, got him in the right play, and got comfortable, you know, with the speed of the game, which is so damn important. And I think that that's something he saw. I think, look, his arm looked great, his mind looked good. He was quick-minded. He didn't look sluggish at all, and. You know, he was able to make some really good throws down the field, make some decisions with the ball, James White. And, you know, the, the, the Eagles' defense wasn't the same. Their pass rush wasn't the same. And I think the Patriots blocked fairly well last night, and that's what really made a difference in the game. And I think it's good. Patriots needed that in terms of confidence. Bill Walsh always used to say this all the time, that preseason was about getting your offense in rhythm. And I think last night that was why the Patriots played Brady so much. And we have seen that uh, in the regular season. We even saw last year. It took about five games for teams to really to, to to sort of figure out who they were as a team, you know. And we saw some teams start out five and zero, like the the Chiefs did, and you know, like the Vikings had the year before. And then you know, teams sort of figure each other out and they move forward and they, and they sort of find their identity as a team. It's obviously the preseason; people are are still trying to find the kinks and figure out what they want to do. But I think the positive for the Patriots is just that offensive line because a lot of people had concerns with you know obviously losing Nate uh, and, and trying to you know now basically they lose plug some Isaiah holes. Win. He yeah. Lose, he- so Wynn goes down to number 23 pick. Yeah, so he's out you know, for the year. You know, it's funny. Ladarius Waddell, this is a great story. You know, when I went to uh, – I was the general manager of the Cleveland Browns in 2013. And when I went to the Patriots in 2014, I probably had more more uh, influence on player personnel decisions than I did when I had the title of GM in Cleveland. So uh, what else is a perfect example for me? Uh, we were sitting in the seventh round in Cleveland, and – Waddle played in a in a game in Texas, uh, a Texas All Star game. It was kind of a. It was actually played in Allen High School Field. It was a good game. There were some decent down the line players in the game, and you got to watch it. And Waddle was this big six eight kid, long long armed. You know, played at Texas Tech and was like. Uh, you know, actually showed some skill. And so I thought, you know, what a great free agent or his late-round pick. So we got in the seventh round, and I'm like, okay, why don't we take this kid, Waddle, from Texas Tech? Well, the powers that be in Cleveland put the tape on and said, 
this guy's a dog. We're not taking this guy. How could you even think this guy's a good player? Okay, no worries. I, I don't think he's a good player anymore. You know, I'll, 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 thank you, sir. I'll have another. So anyway, the draft's over, and I figure I'll just try to sign Waddle as a free agent and see if I can get him in there. He signed a deal with Detroit. Yeah, he goes to the Lions. And then he starts as a, he starts as a rookie at right tackle for Detroit. And then he starts he's by, and then he plays some more, and then he gets hurt. He tears his knee out. And then Detroit gets down on him, and they cut him. And, oh, now, I'm in, now I am in New England, you know? And he gets cut. And I'm like, hey, Bill, I think this guy's got a chance to be a swing tackle for us. We might want to think about bringing him in. And what do we have to lose? There's two games to go in the regular season. It won't cost us anything. We claim him, and now he's a swing tackle for the Patriots. It's a it's an amazing story when you go back and look at that and you see how uh, fortunes can turn so quickly in the NFL and uh, you know it's so good. Yeah. Well, it also tells you that don't always think that the title. You know, I people like all the Cleveland people they send me. You know, you drafted Mingo. You draft. You know, look when I make a mistake, I'm the first to admit it to you. I got no problems. But there's some other decisions that go in a lot of people's picks that you don't that they're not aware of. But that one there. It just cracks you up, you know. So every time Waddle gets in the game, I'm really happy. Going back to the Eagles, though, Tate Frazier, if I tie the kid 72 that played really well for him last year, did not play well. If you're the Eagles right now and you know you've got Jason Peter coming off the injury and the way Vitae played, you've got to be a little concerned about your tackle position, especially considering that you got such a good player coming, you know, when Carson Wentz decides to come back, which I really think, going back to the original question here, I really think Carson Wentz should wait at least until September before he plays. Like, I don't think they should rush him. I would play Nate Sudfeld. I thought Nate Sudfeld threw the ball really well in that game. I would play him if week one if Nick Foles can't go. I would want Wentz to have time to get up to the speed of the game. And we, we have seen reports come out of camp uh, in Philadelphia. Obviously, there's a lot of questions for the Super Bowl champs when they're coming back this season. People want to know what, what Wentz wants to do. Wentz came out and said from the start that he plans to play in week one. So people have tried to hold him to that same timeline. Uh, there's been reports that he's throwing the football harder, that he's looking better. He's still a little iffy about playing in week one. Um, it, it, there is There seems to be no rush, but there is a concern, right, if Foles were to go down and this shoulder is worse, that we have to do we have to play Sufield, right? I mean, that, that's sort of the plan right. at this point. Now we're down to our third quarterback, uh, which is not the way you want to kick off a season, of course, if, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles. No, but at least you know going in. I mean, at least you know now. Say Foles is hurt. Okay, the thing you've got to be able to figure out is, okay, just like they did with Foles. They figured out what Foles could do. They figured out what he couldn't do. So, therefore, you know, here, if, if just hypothetically, say Foles can't play week one. You know that. Well, that doesn't mean now you're going to rush, you're going to rush Wentz. Now you take your time, give, give Sutfeld the whole third preseason game. Find out what he can do. Work the kinks out with him. You know, and then go into the go into the first game, figuring, okay, we're going to play this guy. If we lose, we're zero and one. Big deal. Okay, we've got the whole season to catch up. Let's figure out where Wentz is. And this whole notion that Wentz is throwing the ball harder than he did before the injury, like, does that really matter? What matters is how his knee is. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what his arm is. We're just getting distracted here. Yeah, yeah, that's how it goes. And I will say, if Nate does play, then all the Indiana fans out there will be very happy about that uh, to get a quarterback out in the NFL for sure. Um, let's talk about the other game from last night, and that was the uh, New York Jets going down to uh, D.C. to take on the Washington Redskins. Uh, we had a lot of storylines going into this game. A lot of people were eager to see what Teddy Bridgewater uh, could do and continue to do uh, in his first preseason playing. Alex Smith, obviously, what he would do with the, the with this Washington team and with Gruden and obviously connecting back 
back with Vernon Davis, a guy that he knows very well from his uh, 49ers days. I want to ask you about first, uh, Alex Smith, he comes in for the first few series here uh, with Washington. He, he seems to be very comfortable with the team. He obviously, uh, some of the commentary during the game was that Alex Smith finally knows who he is as a quarterback. He's very comfortable in his own skin, very comfortable running the team, very proud of what he left uh, with Andy Reid down in Kansas, Kansas City when he left there, proud of what he built there. Um, it, does Alex Smith fit well in Washington, and do you see this working out? Because it seems like he and Gruden have a little bit of rapport going, more so than him and Cousins. You know, I, I think for me, watching Washington, Washington to me doesn't look like a team. I mean, I thought Alex Smith played well in the one series that he played. I, I, Washington always looks to me like they're an unmade bed. Like there's not a lot of attention to detail when you watch them. They're, 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 I'm not sure what kind of condition the team is in. You know, they have some real talented players on that team. I'm not just sure how well they're organized. And, you know, like I've often said many times on this podcast, the secret to all victory lies in the organization of the non-obvious. And, and clearly, sometimes when you watch in Washington, there's a lot of things, the, the details are, are, the non-obvious are not organized and, and handled. But I thought last night Alex Smith played well, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of movement, trying to utilize his feet in the pocket, and their skill set. Hey, the Redskins have two young receivers. They didn't want to Maurice Howard didn't play last night. He has played well through the preseason, played well last year when he had his opportunity. And this kid they got from Alabama, Sam, I mean, they signed him as a college free agent. I know they put money in Paul Richardson and other guys, but Sam and, and this this Harris kid both look like really good young players for what they can do. I think Washington's going to be able to move the ball. The key for Washington's season to me watching them is really, do they have enough depth can they stay in shape, and can they win close games when it really matters? Those are the things that I don't think they'll do. I want to ask you just sort of as a GM, I know in these preseason games, you're trying to spot guys that you may see that maybe down the line you want to take a shot on. I was watching this game last night, and, and you see a guy like Martez Carter who's coming out of Grambling State. He has seven carries for 45 yards. He, he ran really well, looked pretty good. And then you talked about Cam Sims that you brought up. You talked about Trey Quinn. When you see some of these guys, these, these sort of under-the-radar names, uh, does that get you excited as a Washington fan? Or is, if you're another GM, are you trying to keep an eye on these guys and keep tabs on these guys for maybe, you know, you have a Danny Woodhead type situation where you can pick him up later, uh, you know, if he were to, were to get cut in the next couple of weeks or something like that. You're doing a couple things, Dave Frazier. First of all, you're watching these guys and you're going back. And then once you see a kid like Carter or you see Sam's, then you go back, you read the college reports on him. You go back and watch some college tape on him. Say, how do we miss this guy? Like this guy to me seems a little better than where we had him on our board. Like, and this is where you get better as a scout. To me, when people take shots at you for having blown picks, they don't really understand the essence of scouting. Like, you learn from your mistakes. We're all going to make them. If you, if you bat 75% correct on draft picks, you're a hell of a scout, okay? Ron, Ron Wolf's in the Hall of Fame. He's, you know, he didn't bat, you know, maybe he batted 75%. Bobby Beathard just went in the Hall of Fame. I promise you, on his draft picks, they weren't at 75%. Okay, and he's in the Hall of Fame because the way he built his team was different and unique. So when you're watching these players, you think, okay, let me go back and look at him. Like, just take Maurice Harris. I was in, the, I was at the Patriots. I was a cow. I worked him out along with a bunch of other guys, uh, Bryce Traggs, a bunch of other receivers. He was a guy. I thought he looked like Chad Ochocinco when I was working him out. Now, when it came time to sign him as a college free agent. We didn't sign him. You know, for some strange reason, I don't know what happened, but we didn't. But you keep your eye on him, and you remember the player, and you remember what the guy looked like, and you go back and study, how did we miss this guy, or what did we not do right? You know, where are we wrong on this player? Those are the guys you're jumping out. You're not looking to indict the scouts. You're not looking to second-guess anybody. You're looking to learn. Mm -hmm. And now sometimes scouts always take that as your second-guessing me, but 
That's what you're trying to do. And if a guy's a good player and a guy Carter, if he can do some things, you know, obviously he'll make their team. If he doesn't make their team, maybe you get him on your practice squad, you could develop him. You got to watch him against a certain level of competition. That's the key. Like what you want to be able to do, like what Belichick did with Bentley last night. He put Bentley with the first team. He needed to see Bentley play against better players. The week before he played against the second team. So you're trying to move these guys up. You need to see Sam play against top corners or Harris play against top corners. That's what you're trying to do with these young players. The best way to tell, if you're listening to this and you want to figure out who's, I love these things. I read them every morning. They say, you know, I'm looking at the final cuts and everybody has breaks down their team and who's making their team and who's not. Like, stop, please. Just all you have to do is go to the punt team. Just watch the punt team. Who's on the punt team? Who's the personal protector on the punt team? Okay? Who's the backup personal protector on the punt team? Who are the starting gunners? Who are the starting off who are the starting offensive linemen on the punt team? If there's some rookie free agent in that group, then you know he's got a chance to make the team because the one thing teams don't do in preseason is mess around with their punt team. Because the punter's an important part of their team. They want to protect them and you need to know. And if you're gonna make a team as a fifty three member, you're gonna to have to be on the punt team. And so that's the first thing you got to look at. That's the Mike Westoff rule, right? Make sure that you're on your spot on special teams so you can have a real chance to play in the future. Uh, Absolutely. you got to do it. And this whole other notion I like to destroy here today, Tate Fraser on Friday afternoon, is this whole thing about, you know, people don't game plan for the preseason. Look, there's no way you don't game plan. That's why coaches have call sheets. Now, you, do you game plan to the extent that you're going to for the opener? No, but there is a game plan. You know the Ravens like to run this coverage or Baltimore run, or, or Pittsburgh runs this coverage. There's some game planning. It has to be or else if you don't put your players in the best chance to succeed, then you're not being a very good coach. And you talk about putting your, your players in the best chance, in the best position to succeed. I want to talk about a situation with the New York Jets, uh, and, and that's with Todd Bowles. And he says uh, that the QB competition is very cloudy, and it re- remains cloudy at this point. Um, so we have a situation where we have the rookie Sam Darnold, the guy that has basically been tabbed to be the next franchise quarterback of the New York Jets. Uh, the, the New York media is already falling in love with him. Right before our very eyes, we have Teddy Bridgewater, and you talked about second guesses, and you're talking about guys that get reviewed, and you go back to the college tape, and you want to see where he is as a quarterback. He has shown signs that he is the Teddy Two Gloves of old, um, and there's an interesting situation there. And then obviously you have the veteran with McCown who was there last year. Um, so you have a great quarterback room in New York, and you have a situation where Todd Bowles has to figure out who is going to be their quarterback. Most most signs are pointing to Sam Darnold being the guy starting out week one. He seems like he, he's getting the, the the tip of the cap from, from Todd Bowles, but it is not official at this moment. But I'm just talking about managing that quarterback room. I mean, how difficult is that for the New York Jets right now? I don't think you've ever thought a time in your life that you would say the Jets have extra quarterbacks. I mean, their quarterback room's great. Yeah, and it's three not quarterbacks. My son's in the room with them. You know, it's because they got three really good players. And look, McCowan has proven in a role. He can't play 16 games. We know this, but he's proven in a role. He can play effectively. And I thought Sam Darnold last night. Look, he had a lot of pressure on him. You know, people say, "Well, he threw an interception." Please stop. You know, like ridiculous. Like. The interception, they ran Spider 3, Y Banana, one of your favorite plays, John Gruden. Nobody was open, so he tried to force the ball, and it was fourth down. Like, what do you want him to do, take a sack and lose eight yards? Would that have been a smarter play? Like, sometimes I just cracks me up. People on television talk about these interceptions like it's always the – no. You know whose fault that interception was? And they'll be the first to admit it to you. The Jets' offensive coaches, they called a bad play. Mm-hmm. I had no choice but to throw the ball to the guy. I mean, it was he's coming to his left, which is a hard thing for a right-handed quarterback to do. They're trying to throw the ball in the flat. The guy in the flat was covered, and the smash route was covered. So, got to throw the ball away. I thought Sam was good. Now, what do you do with Teddy? That's the question. Sam's going to be the starter. So, for me, Teddy's sitting there, and he looks too damn good. Teddy, 
looks like Teddy of 2015. When Teddy was really good, he made a lot of plays. He, you know, he was 11 and five as a starter. Went to the Pro Bowl. You know, he he had over, uh, you know, at 14 touchdowns. You know, 65% completions. He averaged 72 yards per attempt. So he's throwing the ball down the field. You know, he he led the team in some comebacks, uh, game-winning drives, all that stuff. Was 11 and five as the starter. I just think to me now that he's healthy, right? You know, he's healthy. He's Teddy of 2015. So if I'm Tampa Bay, I'm trying to trade for Teddy. If I'm the New York Giants, I'm trying to trade for Teddy. Why New York Giants? Well, Shermer knows the kid. He knows what kind of kid he is, right? He's coached him. He knows that Eli's long, long-range future may not be there. And then if I'm Miami, I might try to trade for because I don't have a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And if I get Teddy Bridgewater, not only do I get a backup I get a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think it's a no-brainer. And you saw some of the touch and, and, and some of the accuracy. I mean, I think even some comments were made live on the air last night as he was throwing some of these balls on the field. It was it was a seam route he threw down the middle of the field. It, it didn't get completed, but I mean, he put it right where it should have been. And it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and and as soon as they came back to the to the booth, I mean, they were like, we we forgot that he, the the accuracy and the touch that Teddy has because. I mean, that's who he is. That's what, He was a very, very well-respected quarterback in the pocket and being able to find and put, put balls and get guys open and throw guys open. That's what he does. Um, so he looked like sort of the Teddy of old. And everybody talks about, you know, Jameis Winston. You know, uh, he's had two 4,000-yard seasons passing. I mean, stop, please. I mean, you know, the first year he's 6-10, and 10, the next year he's 9-7. and seven. So sometimes those yards that you get passing aren't necessarily the yards that are winning games. I mean, it, you know, in his first two seasons in 15 and 16, he had, four, two, he had three four quarter comebacks and just in those two years Teddy Bridgewater's had the same so it's just to me it's a I think Teddy's a better leader and I think there's a longer future with Teddy yeah Teddy is definitely a gamer we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back we're going to talk about uh this rookie quarterback class and how they've done so far and fared so far in the preseason and, and some other bigger stories around the NFL quick break Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, MyBookie. People always ask me what team to bet on this week, and I will tell you, don't listen to me. I'm probably wrong. But the truth is, I don't know who's going to win, and I just told you that. I'm just trying to be honest. I have no idea who's going to win these games, uh, especially in the preseason. But I'll always tell you to go to MyBookie.com to put these bets in. Uh, They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Not to mention, they have in-game live betting. That's probably the the best thing that they have, in-game live betting, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Plus, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. So lay down some cash and win big today. You win, they pay. That's the MyBookie way. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code RINGERNFL to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code RINGERNFL when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. And for over 20 years, DirecTV has been the exclusive home to NFL Sunday Ticket, the only way to get every live game every Sunday. Good news, NFL fans. DirecTV has expanded the service. If you live in an apartment or area where DirecTV service is not available, you can now get NFL Sunday Ticket without a satellite. To see if you're eligible, go online to NFLSundayTicket.tv and stream every NFL Sunday Ticket game this season to follow your favorite team no matter where you live. Use promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Exclusive student discounts are also available. Again, that is promo code RINGER at checkout to save 15%. Back to GM Street. 
And we're back. We're going to talk more football. Uh, obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Green Bay Packers, two storied franchises, take on uh, one another in the preseason. We got to see Aaron Rodgers. Uh, you got two for four, four attempts, 35 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, that, that was the most we saw for him. No Big Ben last night. Uh, no Le'Veon Bell last night uh, for the Steelers. But 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 some bigger storylines in Lombardi. I know you watched the tape on this game and, and have a few thoughts on, on both these teams. Yeah, I thought this was a Big 12 game, Tate Frazier. I mean, first play of the game, uh, Mason Rudolph throws a pick six going the other way. Josh Dodds comes in. He throws a pick six going the other way. I mean, Green Bay scored 51 points. It was like a Big 12 game. I, I, I was concerned for both teams defensively. I thought, I thought Green Bay's run defense and their sub-defense was horrendous. They didn't fit. They didn't really set an edge. They didn't really play with any physicality. I thought their offense early in the game, especially when Aaron was in there, they looked great. I mean, Aaron looked like Aaron of old. I mean, making great throws, moving, buying a second look, you know, running and commanding the team at the line of scrimmage. And then, I mean, the Steelers are just... You know, the Steelers are a funny team because they, they have all these guys, like James Washington last night, who I've loved in the draft. Mm-hmm. And then I loved, you know, they got him in the draft, and, you know, I thought he was great at Oklahoma State. He makes a couple plays in this game that you're like, wow. If somebody doesn't take him in fantasy, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But to me, this was a game of really neither defense showed up, and it was fun to watch, but it wasn't really like, oh, my gosh, this is great. I think Mason Rudolph is one of these guys that doesn't play fast enough. It always bothers me when you take a quarterback from that shotgun offense all the time. They don't play fast. They just they have to see the receiver coming open before they'll make a throw. And in the NFL, that doesn't work. Now, he had moments where I thought he got a little bit more into the rhythm. It was good for him to play. But, uh, you know, to me, he just struggled playing fast. Yeah. And you know who looked decent? I, I thought Kaiser didn't look bad. And actually, Hundley didn't look bad. I mean, none of those guys looked bad. I'm not saying they looked great, but they didn't look bad. Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up the, the two guys for Green Bay. So Deshaun Kaiser goes 7-12, 149 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Brett Hundley, 6-for-9, 77 yards. Uh, both of those guys, I mean, Hundley had a couple sacks uh, that knocked him back a little bit, but both those guys seem to be in command and in control. And we are talking about, like, quarterback rooms. Obviously, the Jets have a really good room this year. I mean, I think with Kaiser, who obviously went through a lot uh, in Cleveland as a rookie, and then Hundley, who has been, you know, under the tutelage of Rodgers now for a little bit, and both those guys come from, you know, good universities, and, and they had to lead big-time big, big time programs. And then, obviously, with Rodgers in that room, it seems like Green Bay has it kind of figured out what's going on. I know Rodgers was upset that they got rid of his quarterbacks coach but that room itself it, it seems like those guys are actually developing and who knows maybe some team wants to take a flyer on Kaiser again and, and see what uh what he could do I thought he looked good Tate I thought he looked good I mean he moved well he made some good decisions he was more accurate with the football and he's still like so he's young coached yeah he's still young and he looks like he's gotten coached in here so it's worth doing I mean look you gotta look the NFL is devoid of quarterbacks I mean the Rams are gonna they're gonna play Sean Mannion again tonight they're not even gonna play Jared Goff they're not playing much of their starters but I mean Mannion's gotta prove he can move the football or else some of these guys like watching Hunley who's developing better I'm not saying Hunley's great but he's getting better and I thought Kaiser really improved who I, I, I this is sort of you know a little bit out there but I mean of these there there are a lot of uh, second string quarterbacks that have you know potential to be first you know first team type quarterbacks. I mean, you you, you got Brissett with the Colts. You, we obviously brought up Teddy Bridgewater. We're talking about Hundley now. Guys that have real game experience. I mean, are, are, is there a chance that some of these teams that you know if they have like a Sam Bradford go down and and they don't want to buy you know they don't want to throw Rose into the fire. Some team would trade for one of these guys. I mean, how open is that market and what even is that market? I mean, what what is the value well, there? Is it a third fourth round pick? What is it? Well, I mean, it depends on what you're going after. Like, I don't see, to me, if you're Mike McKagan and you're sitting there and you've got Teddy Bridgewater, is Teddy Bridgewater worth more for you 
on the team, or is it worth more for you to have him as a uh, as a uh, as a backup? Right. So, like you know, if you get offered a fourth round pick, is that worth it, or would you rather have him on your team? Like for me, I'd rather have him on my team. Like, what am I going to get in the fourth round? It's going to give me exa- if my quarterback goes down, it saves my season, right? So why would I take him for a fourth round pick? You know, and if you're Tampa Bay, you're sitting there saying, okay. You know, maybe I give you my second-round pick that could work to a two because if I lose the season, I'm not going to be here anywhere. I don't care that Jason Light got his contract extended. That's all just phony money. You know, we all get our contract extension, and the owners have too much money. They can buy you out anytime they want. So I I think a lot of it's variable. Like the Giants, for example. Look, the Giants have a nice offense. I'm not sure that they're good at right tackle yet, you know, but I think that they've gotten better as an offensive line, and I think that Eli, if he goes down – you know, Davis Webb's not going to be the, the guy. I mean, Eric Flowers is still a liability at right tackle for him, but for the most part, if Eli goes down, they don't really have a backup quarterback. It's not the rookie from Richmond, and it's not Davis Webb. So you've got to find one. Same thing with Miami with Ryan Tannehill. Like, they don't have a backup quarterback right now. And so you've got to look over this league, and, you know, you've got to just scour the market and see what you can come up with. And there's so many teams that need them. I mean, look, if you're Cincinnati and you've gone through the Andy Dalton experiment, right, <laughs> and you know where that gets you. You have Matt Barkley behind you. You know, you really don't have anybody. Would you trade in Andy Dalton for Teddy Bridgewater? Now, that's not what the Bengals do, but that's kind of that's a question that you should be asking yourself. If you're if you're if you're San Diego and you got Philip Rivers, I know they got Geno Smith and they got Cardell Jones and all those guys, but do you really have one? You know, to me, it's the teams that you know your quarterback's going to be on its way out. Whether it's you know Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, guys that are going to retire. Maybe you take a flyer, give up a draft pick to get the guy in there, so you know what he's like. Is is there a chance that I mean I know we throw this out every you know three to four years when it comes down to Sean Payton and Drew Brees, but is there a chance that maybe the Saints say, hey, you know, we want to develop someone right now that we think already has the tools to to get in there and play behind Drew just in case and go after someone like Teddy. I wouldn't put it past Sean at all. I think Sean thinks like that. See, I think most people are ridiculous. They talk about how important the quarterback position is, but then they never really put any value on it. Like, oh, I wouldn't give up a two for a backup. Are you kidding me? It's the most important position on the team. You're not going to get the guy in the second round. Like, why wouldn't you? Like, oh, they overpaid for it. They overpaid for it. There's no way. Well, if the guy's good, you didn't overpay. You know, if the guy ends up being your starting quarterback and he can win games, you didn't overpay. Mm-hmm. Where you, you know, if you want to be penny wise and dollar foolish, then watch Ryan Fitzpatrick play the first three weeks of the season. <laughs> but I, I think you could really make a mistake doing that. Look, you know, Chicago's got to give Mitch Trubisky their chance to see what he can do, right? They're, they're, you can't do it now if you're in Chicago, right? You, you can't go down that road. I mean, the Rams, the Chargers could go down that road because Rivers is older. Yep. You know, so you could go down that way. I mean, look, you, you have to. I mean, you can't go down that way in Denver, even though I think Teddy Bridgewater is better than Case Keenum. But you can't. You already committed to Case Keenum. I think the other question is: Would you rather have Cody Kessler? Or would you have Teddy Bridgewater down in Jacksonville? You know, now you and I both know that David Carwell, the GM of the of the Jaguars, is 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 a president of the endowment effect. There's no way he's giving up on Blake. So yeah. that would never happen. Yeah, and they don't want to bring someone in to, to challenge Blake either, right? Because that goes back to what no. you're talking about with Trubisky in Chicago. You're not going to bring in another guy where, you know, you're already that, – that shows that you're wavering from, from you know, buying into what you have already in the building. Um, so that, that, that hurts some of your stock. We're going to take one more break here, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about uh, the whole rookie QB class, what to expect from them uh, this weekend and moving forward in the preseason, and take a look back at the 2012 class and just see uh, where we were when we were evaluating those guys uh, about five years ago. 
Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, Udemy. Udemy is the largest and most accessible online learning marketplace with the most courses, teachers, and opportunities for students everywhere around the globe. Udemy has over 65,000 courses from coding to comic book art available anywhere on their website and app. Whether you're at home, at the desk, on your computer, or using their app, Udemy gives you access to new knowledge wherever you are. Udemy is a great learning tool and it helps students all over the world improve their skills, their careers, and their lives. Go to ude.my slash NFL right now and get 90% off when you sign up for classes. You will not find a better price. So sign up for classes now using my link, ude.my slash NFL, and get access to life-changing classes for 90% off. And make sure you download their app for your phone so you can stream your studies wherever you are. That's ude.my slash NFL, ude.my slash NFL. Back to GM Street. All right, and we're back. We originally were planning to do a show this Monday, and I think the biggest story that we both were were talking about uh, off-air was just sort of the, the, the... uh, how enamored everyone is with these rookie quarterbacks and and how everyone is talking about, you know, Rosen and Darnold and where these guys fit in, who's going to be the first one to start, you know, should Baker be the number one guy on the depth chart or is it concerning that he's number three now on the depth chart? All these sort of big storylines are coming out uh, about the 2018 class, which kind of beckons back to the last time that we had this many rookie quarterbacks coming into the league, and that was in 2012. And that was uh, for people that don't remember, that was when Andrew Luck was coming into the league, RG3 was coming into the league, Russell Wilson was coming into the league. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was coming into the league. And, of course, one of our favorites, Brandon Whedon, was coming into the league. To hey, Think about this, Lombardi. Uh, five years ago, Pat Shermer was running the Cleveland Browns offense with Brandon Whedon. Uh, how far he has come in the world of, uh, of football to now run an offense with Eli Manning. But here we are uh, talking about all these rookie guys. And, and I just want to talk about, uh, you know, Lombardi, just looking at this 2018 class, what can you strip away from the preseason and actually take home uh, from what you've seen? And how much is the endowment effect of what people have seen from these guys so early? I mean, look, look I think you have to be cautiously optimistic, right? So you got you have to go into it. and you, There's a sense of rhythm and timing that you got to see with the quarterback. And I think I saw that with Baker Mayfield. I think I definitely saw it with Sam Darnold. Their ability to understand protections, their ability to see the game, move their feet, process the game with their feet and arm. Walsh used to talk about all the time, the quarterback's arm must be tied to his feet. And Sam, Sam Darnold on a play in the, first, in the first preseason game did that. His feet were perfect. He wasn't protected to his side. He slid away from it, hit the shallow cross, went on. When you watch Baker Mayfield, he made plays with his feet. He bought a second look. He was smart with the football, and he delivered it down the field with accuracy. So those are the things you're looking for. The game's going to get faster, right? We know this. The game is going to get faster. And guys that don't play fast, like Brandon Whedon could never play fast. Mm-hmm. You can see that in the preseason. Mason Rudolph doesn't play fast yet. Now, can they get playing fast? I don't know. But will they play fast? It's going to take some time to figure that out. But for the most part, that's what you're looking for. The level of comp, when they're playing, how they're handling the pressure. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was a perfect example. He didn't get any time. He got the crap beat out of him, and there was no protection for him. It's hard to evaluate Patrick Mahomes in the first preseason game. You've got to give it some time, give him some protection. The other thing I think that's really important is these coaches are just learning about these quarterbacks right now, what they can do and what they can't mm-hmm. really do. And so as a coach, even though we talk about how nobody game plans, everybody games plans for the preseason. 
is what plays and what he does well, what situations can we put him in? I mean, Josh Allen, for example, was really good and really bad in his first week. There were some really great throws. He made some throws that many people can't make, and then he did some dumb things. So you got to try to start eliminating the things that he can't do very well and start adding to the things he can do well, and that's how you start to build your quarterback. So for me, I would say this. I think that it's very difficult to really judge it. Now, Darnold, I thought it was easier because, to me, he showed what he did in college. Baker, I still need to see it, but I thought he was better than I thought. I would say Darnold and Baker were both very businesslike, right? They, they came in, they seemed to handle the huddle, they seemed to handle the whole atmosphere. It wasn't too big of a moment for them. They seemed to be in complete control. So those two guys really stood out to me. Um, and then I just wanted to ask you about Josh Rosen, because Rosen, when he came in, uh, it, it sort of looked like he was still playing at UCLA a little bit. I mean, he was just under pressure, and he was just kind of trying to throw throw himself out of pressure. Um, I mean, I, I, he had some big-time throws. But, but looking at Rosen in, in specifically, and I, I don't think any one has really brought up his play, but so much. I mean, I've heard a lot about Baker, heard a lot about Darnold, but I think Rosen showed that he can still make some of these NFL throws, but looked a little bit behind, you know, Darnold and Baker as far as being the uh, the locked-in professional business-like people uh, that you want to see at your quarterback position. Yeah, I think what happens, though, Tate Frazier, is, is when, you, when you have a young, to me, the most important thing you're doing as a general manager, in February, you're on your board, you have to have a way to figure out how we're going to have 10 linemen. If we can't have 10 linemen, and I'm not talking about we're going to sign five college free agents after the draft, because that doesn't work. we got to have 10 linemen that can pass protect, that we can function as an offense when we put the backup quarterback in. So that when we so go from Sam, Sam Bradford to Josh Rose, we can still effectively run the offense. Because mm-hmm. what happens is when you can't, then things fall apart. And those linemen need reps. I mean, I don't give a crap what anybody says. You know, the Rams aren't playing their guys. Whoever's not playing their guys, you know, the first month of the season, it's going to catch up to them, right? You've got to play those offensive linemen. They've got to get the reps, and they've got to get better at their trade. And like Vitae from the Eagles, I mean, he's going to have to get more reps. He's a much better player than he played last night because he doesn't have enough reps yet. So that's what I would do. But if you, as a GM, you've got to have a second line, or else you're never going to evaluate these quarterbacks. You and can't. I- yeah, you can, and I will say, I mean, if, you, if we're just you know harp, uh, you know harping back down to the the 2012. I mean, when RG3 came out on the scene, you know he's throwing balls to Aldrick Robinson. People are saying Mike Shanahan's offense is transformed with the addition of RG3. He was probably the number one guy that people were losing their minds over in 2012. Andrew Luck was getting you know bamboozled by everyone around him. Donald Brown couldn't catch the ball. Uh, he was throwing the ball to Vic Ballard and uh, and Brazil and all these random nobodies. You know uh, Russell Wilson when he first came out. He's you know he's throwing the ball to to Sidney Rice uh, and Braylon Edwards and, and he looked lost. I mean you know things change over time. Obviously these guys can grow in the position. I remember Tannehill was the guy that people said he looked like he belonged because he because he stood tall in the pocket, sort of like a Josh Allen type. So there, there's so many different things that come out of these first few uh, first impressions, and, and we sort of try to to conform our opinions about guys very very early. And I think that's one of the biggest things you want to watch out for in the preseason, right? Is uh, a lot of this stuff yeah. you may you may look good. Uh, in the preseason and maybe even week one, week two, week three, but it has to sustain and you have to continue to grow uh, as this plays out. Yeah, I think you just have to be patient and keep evaluating it. And tonight will be a great test, so you'll see it. And then week three, you know, you got to get them in there where they're going to play against the game. As the, you got to simulate the game as it's going to be played on Sunday. It's going to be much faster. Now, we know this. It's going to be faster on Sunday in the thir- on the third preseason game, but that won't be to the level that you'll see on opening weekend. That game's way faster. 
Yep. And when it happens that fast and people game plan, you're right now, how do you, how's the best way, if you ask 10 fans on the street how to defend a quarterback, they would say, well, you got to, you got to pressure them. You got to, you got to have great coverage. No, the way you stop quarterbacks is how you coordinate your rush. How you rush. So if you're playing against Baker Mayfield, you know that you're going to have to have your ends have to play to the inside shoulder so they keep him in the pocket and you're going to have to collapse the pocket internally. If you play Josh Allen, you're going to have to build a wall, force him to his left. So you're starting to see as you're evaluating these quarterbacks on tape how to play them. Sam Darnold, really don't know how you want to play him. He can, he's really good throwing from the pocket. He's really good on the move. He can stand tall in the pocket. So how are we going to rush him? Perhaps we don't really have an answer yet. So that's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to build a way to how we can orchestrate our pass rush to stop the quarterback. Because all the other crap, it's really just crap. Coverage, can't do it. If you don't understand the game plan rush and what the plan is, you'll never stop a quarterback. And I and I forgot to mention the fifth guy that was in the first round as well, Lamar Jackson. Uh, he showed why you know he has the explosive ability of Michael Vick, and we expect to see him on the field. So had to throw Lamar in there uh, just tonight. As far as games that are going on, we got the we got Baker Mayfield uh, in the Browns at home taking on Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. So those will be two rookie quarterbacks going at each other. We got the Cardinals and Josh Rosen taking on the Saints. Giants at Lions, Dolphins at Panthers, uh, and Chiefs at Falcons. If you want to see Pat Mahomes and how he looks as he tries to to, to find his footing there in Kansas City. Uh, before we get out of here, Lombardi, any more things uh, you want to hit on before we uh, we get no, into I'm another week? I'm looking forward to watching these guys. I'm looking forward to another week of preseason football. I think it's great. I mean, I think you have to take it in context. Don't overreact. Don't underreact. And then see some teams. I'm really looking to see, can Denver play with any physicality? You know, we didn't talk about that. I'm really looking to see Chad Kelly play again this week. I think mm-hmm. that's going to be an interesting thing because I thought he was way better than Paxton Lynch in, in, when he came into the game. So I'm anxious to see how teams' pad levels are, if they're playing with more physicality. I know there's certain teams like Minnesota, you know, that, that take these games seriously, and I enjoy watching those. So that's what it's it's football back to Frazier. You got to love it. You got to love it. And if you like football and you like preseason football and someone taking it very seriously, just look at Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer is taking everything very seriously. And if you think he's not game planning for preseason, then you are absolutely incorrect because that's what Mike Zimmer does football all day every day um this has been another edition of gm street part of the ringer podcast network thank you lombardi thanks dave frazier Thanks to Hotel Tonight. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, you will love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. Even though their name's Hotel Tonight, you can also book in advance for spontaneous weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more. It's easy. Book hotels in 10 seconds and in just three taps and a swipe. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight the only booking app you need. Do it.